This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. Welcome into In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL, 106.7 on your FM dial as well. I am Jackson Schneider with James Wessling, as always, here at our downtown Salina studios. And more college football talk today, James, uh, but a couple of fun things. And I want to start with this, and it's, have you watched any of the SEC Media Days? No, I haven't. I've seen some clips on Twitter, but I'm pretty out of the loop when it comes to SEC Media Days. So, the last couple of days I've been working from home, which is pretty standard for me, I guess, but I always have something on in the background as like background noise just to kind of think. But the last two days I've had SEC media days. So on Monday, I listened to some Lane Kiffin stuff. And yesterday there was Nick Saban, of course. And they also had the Vanderbilt head coach named Clark Lee. And they went two and 10 last year. Obviously, oh, Vanderbilt yeah. is, is bad traditionally, and they struggle in the SEC. But he made some waves, especially on social media, because he said at some point, um, he, he said that it, they believe at Vanderbilt that they're going to become the best program in the country. And obviously, that's going to get some reactions, because not only is Vanderbilt terrible, but in their very same conference, there are the last three national champions, including the literal definition of the juggernaut in Alabama. So your first reaction to hearing the Vanderbilt coach say that they're going to become the best program in the country is what? If that happens, whoever this coach is will be the second coming of Bill Snyder because Vanderbilt is not quite but almost on what K-State was pre-Bill Snyder levels. But if this coach is really successful, he'll probably use the Vanderbilt job to springboard him to a better job like James Franklin did when he got Vanderbilt to a couple of bowl games and respectable in the SEC, and he used that to get to Penn State. So that's probably Vanderbilt's ceiling at this point is a seven- or eight-win season to get this guy to a better job. Yeah, that's about my my thoughts as well. Uh, I, I do think that Vanderbilt, though, if you win – I don't know, seven or eight games at Vanderbilt, you are you are God in yeah, Nashville. For sure. Because their standards are so much lower just because of their competition and what they've struggled with. And But I just thought it was interesting because you always like a confident coach. Yeah. But there's, I don't know, there's something to be said about like realistic expectations. But don't get me wrong. Again, I appreciate him being motivated and wanting to create that at Vanderbilt. That's what everyone dreams of if they're becoming a coach, or even if you or I were playing NCAA football. We're creating a <laughs> dynasty to create the best football program possible, but I just don't know that I see it. Second thing I wanted to bring up, and this was something I told you about earlier in the day, because yesterday Texas Tech fans broke Twitter. And it kind of goes back to... They they have a rabid fan base that has traveled unbelievably well recently, and especially during this past basketball season, where they basically packed Texas's arena for a home game for Texas Tech, essentially. Like, they had traveled so well. But in an effort to avoid that, TCU, which has 
you know, there's roughly like 20,000 or 50, 30, 20 to 50,000. I can't remember the exact number, but it's a huge chunk of alumni of Texas Tech living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, TCU has elected not to sell single game tickets to their home game against Texas Tech this year to avoid a situation like that. The only way you can buy a ticket to that game as a single game ticket is you have to buy like at least two games in a package of some sort making it very difficult to get just a single ticket to that game to avoid texas tech fans now in reaction to this texas tech fans are noticeably pissed off because there's so many of them in the dfw area that they want to go to this game and they want to do something like that it at a rival stadium like at tcu but to make matters worse TCU, one of their coaches, I can't remember if it was Sonny Dykes or if it was one of his assistants, basically had said that like Texas Tech is just out in the desert, you know, <laughs> which was supposed to be a dig at West Texas and Lubbock and all that stuff. But Texas Tech fans have then rallied together and posted uh, just a billion cactuses <laughs> all over Twitter. And if you if you could see Twitter, there was just. Every several tweets that was coming up on my suggested yesterday was just cactuses, cactus, 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 because they were trying to rally together and like lean into being out in the desert. And I just think it's hilarious, one, because fan bases breaking Twitter, I think, is so funny. And two, you're wearing a cactus polo today, which is very nice. A nice touch today. But uh, your thoughts on that whole situation? Well, I'm a big fan of Texas Tech fans, you know. KU and K-State don't really have any heated rivalry or hatred towards Texas Tech fans, at least as far as I can tell. And I just think they're hilarious. And I love the fact that they are kind of out there on an island, in a desert, if you will. And to me, they just feel like the biggest underdog in the Big 12, especially in the state of Texas, way more so than Baylor was, even when Baylor was kind of coming up the ranks, uh, because of where they're geographically located and just who they are as a program when you look at at everything that's kind of stacked against them. And then also, I love the fact that they have had success in basketball. Granted, it was 10, 15 years ago, but they were really good, ranked number one in the country at one point in time with Michael Crabtree and Graham Harrell in football. And I loved those Texas Tech teams. So I kind of have a a special place in my heart for Texas Tech, way more than Texas or TCU or even Baylor. So I personally think it's hilarious. It's also hilarious to me because neither Texas Tech or TCU is going to be worth anything this year in the Big 12. It could be the toilet bowl in the Big 12 when it's all said and done. So let them come. Exactly. Let there be Red Raiders in Dallas. on the flip side of that, that's kind of why I love TCU being petty, right? Yeah. Like, it's that's the rivalry. That's what makes yeah. college sports so fun. Like, we know both of those teams are probably going to be middle to lower part of the Big 12 this year, but it's still, it just means more because of, of the rivalry there. And I just, I think it's, I thought it was hilarious. I wanted to share that. Uh, but, James, we've got one more really cool interview. I think we have a few, actually, still to go to get through from Big 12 Football Media Days. But we've been looking forward to putting this one on the show it's been on the podcast but we're putting it on the actual show today and it's adrian martinez the k-state quarterback and you and i i think left that interview feeling really impressed with him as a person and his mindset his maturity all that stuff uh but uh, just 
thoughts to tease this interview that we're going to get into in just a moment. Well, I watched another Nebraska game last night, no huddle, because I'm on this big no huddle kick to get ready for college football season. And again, we were blown away by Adrian Martinez as a person. Uh, I have been pleasantly surprised by just how good of a quarterback he is. And a lot of the interceptions that we talked about uh, last season that he had that he needed to cut down on, several of those, one, weren't his fault, and two, were desperation throws that he had to make. In fact, one came at the end of the Oklahoma game uh, when when Nebraska was, was in desperation mode and trying to come from behind. So... I've been really impressed by his athleticism. His deep ball is way better than I thought it was. He's very accurate, poised. I just think he's going to be the complete for K-State this season and a perfect fit for their offense. Yeah, I think so, too. It's a really good interview, so let's just get right into it. Here is our interview with Adrian Martinez, K-State football quarterback from Big 12 Media Days last week. Welcome back to AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Jackson Schneider here live at Big 12 Football Media Days. James Westling in the KSAL studios. And a special guest now is K-State quarterback Adrian Martinez. And, and Adrian, first off, I mean, such a cool event here today to kick off football season. I know it's a little different than, than maybe what you've gone through in, in your past with Nebraska and the Big Ten. Just your thoughts on today and all the peppering of the questions I'm sure you've enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, I've really enjoyed it. You know, it's been an amazing experience and really just being here in AT&T Stadium is awesome. I mean, just a place I've grown up watching games on TV and being here in person is pretty special. Now, with it, I mean, comes the, like I said, the peppering of questions. And I'm sure you've kind of grown tired of maybe being asked the same thing a hundred times, but why K-State? Why, why the change? And, and uh, just take us through that whole, I guess, uh, the mindset and, and why you felt like this was the place for you. Yeah, truly, I, I just needed a new opportunity and, and uh, a new challenge. And I felt like K-State was the that perfect opportunity for me. I mean, great coaches, uh, a great culture, and I felt like a, a good amount of returning players that uh, we could win some ball games. you know what I mean? So uh, I felt really good about it. And uh you know, the move was, was something I felt like I needed to do and, and uh, a great chance for me to do something different, do something new. Adrian, four of the top five preseason Big 12 teams selected by the media have new quarterbacks this year. So tell our listeners a little bit about your skill set and what maybe makes you stand out. Yeah, uh, well, I'd consider myself a, a true dual-threat quarterback, you know, a guy who can break out, break out for a long run and, and can also throw the ball around the field. So um, that's what I'm looking to do this year and, and do it consistently and, and uh, you know, maybe help out that guy, Deuce Vaughn. Your new offensive coordinator, Colin Klein, uh, what can you tell us about how much of a feel maybe you have for this K-State offense and what it might look like? Yeah, you know, I, I spent all spring really, really studying hard to, to get to know the ins and outs of it, and that's still a process that, process that's ongoing you know and and as this thing goes along coach Klein and I and the rest of the quarterbacks in this offense we're continually adapting and I feel like there's there's something really special brewing with him and and it's innovative in my mind what we're trying to do and we have a unique personnel set and I think we can do some things that are different from the rest of the Big 12. Now Adrian 
I think back to one of your first media sessions, you had mentioned something about how you want to be a leader, but you can't come in immediately and kind of start doing the things that leaders might do. What was the process like to kind of get integrated with your new team and your new teammates and and to kind of help you feel more comfortable around them and more comfortable leading that group? Yeah, well, I'd say it started with buying in, you know, buying into the culture, to the process and and what they truly believe in and what I believe in right now, you know, and that's our, our core values and what Coach Kleiman preaches, what Coach True, our strength and conditioning coach, preaches. Um, so those are the little things. And then continuing to work hard, getting to know guys personally, getting to know, um, you know, what makes them tick, what are, the, what are they looking for in a meeting room and film, um, those type of things. And so from there, when I wasn't able to throw to now, being full go, whether it's on the field, whether it's in the meeting room, that type of stuff, um, you know, feel like we've really started to build chemistry and, and form those relationships where I can lead them. Now, you, you mentioned when you can throw. Now you're, you're much better with your, your shoulder situation and everything, but I'm sure that's not an easy process to go through with the injury, to kind of rehab and throw all that on top of finding the new settings and, and the new offense and all these different moving parts and pieces. But do you feel like that injury actually provided you the opportunity to kind of immerse yourself in the things that didn't involve, I guess, throwing a football? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think it gave me a unique perspective and, uh, you know, a unique challenge because I wasn't able just to come in and be like, hey, guys, let's go throw. It's more like, all right, let's let's go watch film. Let's uh, let's go do something on the weekend. Find different ways to get to know these guys. And, uh, you know, it provided me that unique opportunity also just to – to really dive into the offense and, and get to learn it in and out, get to see it in spring practice, and then when it was time to hit the ground running. Talking with K-State quarterback Adrian Martinez at Big 12 Media Days, earlier you mentioned Deuce Vaughn. Uh, what's it like having a back like that? And everybody talks about what he does as a running back, but I also think that you know people forget he led this K-State team in receptions. I mean, he has a great ability as a, a weapon for you as a pass catcher. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, the guy really does it all. I think his resume speaks for itself. He's he's an all-American, and um, a guy if you throw him a two-yard checkdown route might take it sixty. I mean, he's <laughs> he's that type of dynamic athlete. So uh, I'm really fortunate to be able to play with him. And I think the best thing about him is he's very humble and he continues to work. I mean, he's really driven our offense to continue to get better, and uh, he does it daily. I think you mentioned in another interview that you really wanted to kind of focus on limiting mistakes and cutting down on interceptions this season as K-State's quarterback. How much of that starts with all of your preparation now during the offseason and getting to learn this offense and the playbook and just everything that goes into operating this new K-State offense? Yeah, I'd say it has a lot to do with it, right? You know, right now is, is when you might win or lose games in the fall. So we've definitely taken on that type of mentality as a unit. And also personally, I've, I've made sure to, to do the extra work to try and be preventive about those things. And it's about film study and, and some of that's opponent prep and some of that's really knowing the ins and outs of your offense. Now, Adrian, you, you come into a quarterback room that's got some guys that have been around for a while, and I know you've been fully immersing yourself, but how much have Will Howard and, and Jaron Lewis, guys like that, really been able to help you understand your responsibilities in, in this new offense? Because I know you're, you're coming in to, to take the starting reins for now, but there's a lot more that goes into it than that. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful to have such a great quarterback room, truly. 
Um, that's something I've always put a lot of value in because I, I spend so much time with those guys, you know. Um, I spend more time with those guys than I do my, my girlfriend. <laughs> you know, like we're, we're with each other in the meeting rooms. We're lifting together. We're on the field, you know, fall camp, all that stuff. So we got to have each other's backs. And uh, they really did a great job of welcoming me in. And, uh, you know, any help that I could give them, I gave them and will continue to give them and vice versa. So I really feel like I can lean on those guys. And that type of trust is important. Now, I think back also to Nebraska and connections to K-State. And Cade Warner comes to mind. I know you have a really good relationship with him. How much of a role did he play in kind of maybe recruiting you a little bit to K-State? And and now that you have him at at your disposal at all times, how much has he helped you to continue to develop? Yeah, he he never put pressure on me, but he definitely did give me a little recruiting pitch and and what it's like at K-State and the things he loved about it. Uh, but it really helped me transition, and Cade's a, a friend that I'll have for life and someone I really value their opinion, uh, and, and he's a really bright football mind. I mean, I see him being uh, a great football coach one day, and he's a tremendous player right now. So that really helped me in the past tense and currently, you know, when we're running meetings, when we're talking through plays, this and that. We, are, we already have that built-up chemistry from years past. Adrian, you mentioned your girlfriend a moment ago. I'm going to guess that she provided a little bit of a recruiting pitch to get you to K-State as well. <laughs> so I guess now that you're in Manhattan, what, what do you love most about being in Manhattan and being at K-State, and, and does it feel like home? It definitely does. You know, I, since we were talking about my girlfriend, I might as well mention her. <laughs> she, uh, she's been great, you know, and I think that has definitely taken some pressure off as well. But addition to that, just how well I've fit in with this culture and this program here at K-State, I've, I've felt right at home and, and really looking forward to this season. You know, I think these these guys have really pushed me to be the best version of myself and, and uh, you know, hopefully vice versa. What do you like most about Coach Kleiman? Hmm. I would say just his ability to connect with players. Um, he has a real winning history about him and, you know, the standard that he demands – and, uh, you know, how consistent he is day in and day out. Uh, all those things really come together well, and I think players respond in a great way to him. Now, Adrian, before we let you go, I'd like to do this thing called three and out, just three fun questions, and I know you fielded a ton of them, so I'm going to piggyback off one that I saw from one of your interviews just a little bit ago. It said that you, you like the uh, burgers at So Long. <laughs> Outside of that, is there another restaurant in Manhattan that you've taken a liking to since you got in there? Uh, Taco Lucha is a good one. Uh, I like uh, Gordo's, um, Yumi's. You know, I've been all over the place around there. There's probably, I mean, there's not a ton of options, but <laughs> the places that are options, I've been there and tried it out. Okay, I, I like that. It's a good answer. Now, one also piggybacking off burgers. I promise it's not all my questions are food related, but I've asked all your teammates because we're in Texas. You have to ask the Whataburger question. Do you prefer Whataburger or maybe do you have another place or a chain that you, you're you're, you're asking the wrong to? guy? You know, uh, <laughs> I'm from California and I will ride or die with In-N-Out. My God. And that is just the facts. I, all right. I, I'm tired of hearing about Whataburger. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Everyone from Texas just relentless about Whataburger for no reason. <laughs> awesome. Well, last question. Football is, is a job. It's it's a lot of intense work, and it can be stressful. So I want to know how you relax, how you kick your feet up, and what maybe helps to relieve the stress of, of playing Division One quarterback. 
Yeah, you know, I, I love watching TV shows and movies. I'm a big movie buff. And also I, I live on this par 3 golf course. So uh, I get to go out and, and kind of chip around a little bit, and that's fun. Awesome. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you joining us and look forward to hearing from you as the, the season gets closer. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. All right, Adrian Martinez, the starting quarterback for your Kansas State Wildcats, here on In the Zone. We'll take a quick break and be back with more right after this. In the Zone, Sports Radio 1150, KSAL, and Crystal Clear on the FM dial 106.7. I'm James Westling, joined now by Jake Sharp from Sharp Performance. And you've got a big event coming up a little bit later on here in July, so tell us what's going on. Yeah, James. So our biggest, baddest youth football camp of all time uh, is going to be taking place July 24th and 25th here in Salina, Kansas, at the Salina Fieldhouse. Uh, what makes it so special um, is our guest coaches that we have coming. We have, uh, you know, over seven K-State football players, current players that are coming, Deuce Vaughn, uh, Cooper Beebe, Hayden Gillum, Cody Stuffelbean, Jordan Shippers, uh, Christian Duffy. I think I might be forgetting, uh, you know, one other. I think, uh, yeah, uh, Parker Cavanaugh is going to be here. Uh, you know, he's a, obviously the line central quarterback, and he's, he's going to go walk on there next year. From KU's side, we got Sam Burt. Um, we've got Jake Eisenhower, our, our local guy. Um, and I think, gosh, I'm, I'm forgetting somebody else there too that's coming down. Oh, Jared Casey for all of our oh, list yeah, of Kansas yeah. folks. Yeah, yeah. So the, the man that you know beat Texas for us last year, he's going to be coming down. Um, as far as notable high school recruits as well, um, kids that we work with, uh, Avery Johnson, who's a Kansas State commit, will be here. Uh, will Anciao out of Wichita as well. And then Wesley Fair. Um, is going to be here to work with the kids too. They work with us in our football academy and they just kind of want to give back and help out with the youth. And, you know, it's pretty awesome. We, we do this camp in partnership with the CKFL to help raise funds for the CKFL. And, you know, we've been doing camps you know, over a decade and we, you know, thousands of kids we've been able to help this summer with our SP athlete discovery. So it's, it's really awesome. It's really the, the culmination of our summer and we, we cap our summer off here in Salina, Kansas with our camps. Um, and man, man, I'm a pump up. I'm so pumped up about it, man. I'm literally stuttering about it. It's, you know, we've got uh, we've got as many cool guys coming to help the kids as, as we've ever had. Our football academy coaches are going to be there. Um, people do need to get registered, though. We're starting to get pretty full, and I'm either considering cutting the registration off or, uh, unfortunately, maybe raising the price a whole lot to determine people from registering because it's, you know, we want to do a good job with the kids. We want to keep a good player to, you know, coach ratio, that kind of thing. Now, when you say youth football camp, what – ages specifically are we talking about so first through eighth grade okay yeah okay. first through eighth grade um, and that's boy or girl anybody that is excited about football and wants a positive you know first time or you know maybe you've been at it several check, years check, check. you know but it's gonna well, be non-contact everything will be like controlled yeah. um, we're, we're actually sponsoring uh, Lakewood Middle School you know which is Salina Central's middle school and Salina South's middle school seventh through eighth graders um those athletes can attend for only fifty dollars so there's nice. 125 dollars savings there i'm uh, very very excited to be able to provide that to those kids and that's that's what we're here for like i mean my our sharp performance exists to help people and kids and you know we've finally been at it over a decade so we we have you know some means to be able to do that now is just it's just fantastic man 
tell our listeners a little bit about the CKFL Youth Football League that's in town and, and the partnership that you have with that league and just what it means to the Salina community. Yeah, yeah. So the, the CKFL, formerly Salvation Army Football, um, is, is housed. It's a program within Kansas Youth Sports. And Kansas Youth Sports um, is a nonprofit um, that my family, the Sharps, uh, with the help of some other folks, created to uh, provide youth sports opportunities across the state of Kansas and to uh, continue to provide high-level youth football opportunities here in our central Kansas region. Uh, It's grown every year um, since we took it over, I think, by 20%. I think Patrick Mahomes had a really big influence the past couple years on that. Um, But it's a a difficult chore uh, to, to make a youth football run. It's expensive. You know, equipment's expensive. Right now, we can't even find enough helmets to outfit the kids because of you know sourcing of, of yeah. those things so uh, logistical issues there we've had a lot of support um, you know like from Salina Regional um, you know there there's been other foundations you know the greater community uh, greater Salina Community Foundation has helped support that as well um, and Sharp Performance helps support that with a lot of staffing um, and revenues uh, that we share off this youth camp so it's it's something that's near and dear. Obviously, football. You know, and I want to protect kids. I want them to have a positive experience, and that's what it's about. I tell a story all the time. Mark Simino, you know, all pro linebacker, Kansas State. A lot of people know about Mark. He told me a story once when he came home in seventh grade and was crying and and told his parents he wanted to quit football because they put him up against the biggest eighth grader and he got smashed and it hurt. So. If an all-pro linebacker says that, I got to think the Oklahoma drill has produced more basketball players than any other drill <laughs> that a youth football coach can do. So, yeah. just just trying to be smart about it, you know. And obviously, injuries. I mean, yes, like uh, we need to be careful with the concussions and other injuries, long-term, that kind of thing. But at the at the end of the day, we're on a mission to make to make kids tough, put them through ordeals, and it's going to make their lives better, you know. So I'm I'm waving that flag on. Uh, struggling being a great thing for kids as long as we're there as mentors and coaches to help them, you know, when they do need that extra hand um, and building uh, BA American kids. Since I'm on the radio, I can't, I don't want my grandma to hear me right, talk that way. Right. Yeah. Got to keep it PG. <laughs> yes. Talking with uh, Jake Sharp from Sharp Performance here on In the Zone on KSAL. You mentioned all the big names that you're bringing in uh, to help with the the, the event, uh, all the KU and K-State commits and, and current players. What do you think about uh, all these local in-state kids that are staying home to play for K-State and KU? You brought up Avery Johnson and you look at you look at the list of Kansas prospects, and a lot of these kids are staying in state. What does that say about just the level of high school football right now, and and the coaching staffs at KU and K State? Yeah, yeah. So K State made out like bandits this year. They, <laughs> yeah. they really did, and KU is on those guys just as hard. Uh, just, the, just the reality. We got to win some more games in Lawrence, and everybody knows that, and, and they're going to do that. They, they've got a great culture they're building there. Coach Kleiman, obviously, is doing an excellent job. Uh, you know, got Colin up there as well. You know, they got a good thing going uh, in Manhattan. And I think uh, I think the NIL plays into it, too, from a standpoint of I think if you're an in-state guy, there's a lot more opportunity there. You know, if, if an athlete was to be from Kansas and go to, say, you know, anywhere else, I don't know, Louisiana, like, who cares about this kid? Right. You know, I mean, maybe – some folks, but not near as many. So I think there's more opportunities possibly for that, and we'll see how that shakes loose, you know, throughout throughout the years. But I know both universities, KU and K State, have uh, worked very hard. Um, well, I guess, excuse me, they can't, but businesses, you know, guys like me, who's I'm a KU guy, like I'm working hard to try and find ways where I can, you know, 
advertise with a guy and maybe he'll want to come to KU instead of going somewhere else. And it's, it's really weird that it's legal now. Like I feel yeah. you know, like deuce is coming and we, he's on the radio ad. I'm like, Hey, can we do, is that okay if I do that deuce? He's like, yeah, you know, we, we can do that. Cause back in the day, you know, he loses eligibility. You it's know? totally different. Yeah. So it's, it feels, I feel it's like when you turn like 21 and you can drink a beer and you're like <laughs> looking over your shoulders, like, is this okay? Like yeah. NIL, NIL is interesting. Yeah, it is. Do you like uh, Lance Leipold? think he's a good fit I for li- KU? I like Lance a lot. Yeah. Very down to earth guy. Um, I think the biggest thing is it's, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And they've been building a culture since he got there, and the culture piece has been what we've been missing. We've had talent. We've sent a lot of guys to the NFL. Um, and you can't pin it to one thing, man. There's been some, some real mismanagement of that program, uh, unfortunately. But i got to think it's headed in the right direction because they're doing all the right things. They're beating the streets. And, I, you know, they're going to have to go to Candace High Schools for a decade, you know, before – they can build trust, you know, because the Candace coaches have been sold that same story. Hey, we're we're here. We're a new staff. And, you know, and a lot of Candace coaches are like, all right, man, like I'm going to be talking to a new guy in, you know, right. four years. So it's going to take time. You know, Rome wasn't built in the day. And when, a, you know, the wave is headed one direction to try and switch it and go the other way, it takes time and a lot of effort. <laughs> Aggressive patience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Jake, as we wrap up, why don't you tell our listeners one more time uh, how to get signed up or get involved with the Sharp Performance Youth Football Camp coming up? Yeah, James, uh, they can go to sharp-performance.com, uh, click on Youth Football Camp at the top, and you can get registered right away. Um, I do, Like I said, I do want to mention that it is going to fill up, and we're probably going to have to do something to, to cap those numbers, so get registered as soon as you can. K-State KU fans, I mean, you're welcome to, to come on out, you know, around 5 o'clock and, and meet those guys at the Fieldhouse, uh, get a picture and all that kind of good stuff. So it's going to be a great time, celebration of Kansas football, and we hope to see you there. Again, the event is July 24th and 25th at the Salina Fieldhouse. It is the Sharp Performance Youth Football Camp. More information at sharpperformance.com. This is In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. Final segment of In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. I'm Jackson Schneider with James Westling. If you missed any portions of our show earlier, we visited with K State football quarterback Adrian Martinez back in the first segment. And the last segment you heard was James sitting down with Jake Sharp of Sharp Performance here in town. And uh, James, I have not gotten the chance to sit down with Jake Sharp, but that's a bucket list interview for me as a KU grad because he's such a KU icon. Um, just is it as cool as he seems? He seems like such a cool guy. I got to meet him. Yeah, he's he's a super nice guy. Um, knows a lot about football, obviously, but also just had a really really unique perspective on the name, image, and likeness stuff, and how he thinks it's going to help KU and K State keep kids in states. And really, that's an angle that I hadn't thought about. These in-state prospects can stay in states where they're treated like royalty versus going out of state and playing for a program where you just kind of blend in. And now it's a lot more attractive to kind of be the guy with name, image, and likeness. And he thinks that, and I agree, that that's a big part why K-State and KU are landing a lot of these in-state prospects. Well, that's really exciting. And I know he's had a huge hand in a lot of these local products with the the top prospect camps and the combines and everything. And he's done a lot 
for just developing high school athletes in general, not just the top level, you know, the Dylan Edwards, the Avery Johnsons, et cetera, but kids from eight-man schools, six-man schools have really benefited from the stuff that they're putting together with with those combines and working with sports in Kansas and Kansas pregame and all all the others. It's just really cool to see that he is is helping kids across the state, and, and it's you know, all centered here in Salina with him and, and Sharp Performance. Yeah, and a big event this weekend. Check out the website, sharpperformance.com, for more details. Awesome. Well, it is the slowest sports day of the year, which is, you know, you can go two directions with that. One, what the heck are we going to do tonight? There's no no sports on TV. Maybe I'll go see a movie or something or just to occupy myself. Or two, you can look at it to where... It's only going to get better from here in terms of sports and and things on TV, but you do have the ESPYs tonight. That's why they put it on this day, but I'm not going to watch that. I'm going to be honest with you. I never really enjoy it that much. I'm not a huge awards show guy, but James... My friend Scott, he runs Bosco's Boys, which is a K-State sports podcast, which I listen to to kind of keep my tabs on K-State stuff. And there's a KU version of that. It's just like a fan-run podcast. But he does this thing every year called the Dream College Football Road Trip. And I think he gets it from the Cover 2 podcast, which is another good college football podcast. And we don't have time to go through every single week of the season. So I put a couple of, of little... Uh, twists on ours. We're going to limit ourselves to five games. And you've done your research. Five games of this college football season that you want to see most. And the only rule was you cannot see the same team twice. So interesting directions. You could go with venues or rivalries and all these different things. So James, what is your number one game that you have to see this college football season? And, And again, this is hypothetical if money, travel, all that stuff was not an obstacle. Sure. So I didn't have any of the early season non-conference games, and I'd like to say that there are a ton of really, really phenomenal early season matchups. But I went with a lot of conference games and really tried to kind of spread out my five. So I actually think that probably the, the game I'd like to see most is October 15th, and believe it or not, it's a Pac-12 matchup. I would love to see a game at Utah. Uh, We'll have an opportunity soon seeing a game at BYU in the state of Utah. But I think one of the biggest, uh, most telling games of the college football season is going to be October 15th, USC at Utah. Utah's going to be preseason in the top 10. I've seen them as high as number six in some preseason polls. And I want to see what Lincoln Riley does at USC. And I think that that's a game that's going to tell us a lot about both programs. So I'm actually going to go USC at Utah. October 15th is my most, my must-see college football game for this season. See, I kind of went the opposite of that. But I do have some... some um some conference matchups, but my two of mine, my, really one of my top two, um, is week one, and the next one is week two. Okay, and they're both non-cons, but it's Notre Dame at Ohio State, the season opener at the Horseshoe, which is two huge college football brands in in a bucket list venue of of being in Columbus. So I really want to see Notre Dame and, and Ohio State because that's just that's two Herculean brands in college football that I would love to see slug it out. And then the week next or week following that, Alabama is at Texas for a non-conference game. And although I don't 
particularly foresee this as much of a close game. I do think that the the again the brands or the the magnitude of of that matchup is also huge so that's my second one is alabama at texas so those two non-cons kind of lead it off and the rest of mine are conference games i definitely considered notre dame at ohio state and probably would have had that in my top five because remember notre dame has a new coach and he's Mm -hmm. only 35 years old so let's see what notre dame looks like this year but i'll stick with ohio state the reason why i didn't have that one is because i've got ohio state elsewhere Michigan, Ohio State. Oh, yeah. On yeah. November 26th is an absolute no-brainer to me. And also, not just because of the rivalry, but because I think both of those teams are top five good. I think Ohio State, I'd have them preseason number two, right behind Alabama. But I think a lot of people are sleeping on Michigan. They have their entire offensive line back. They do lose Aiden Hutchinson, but outside of that, they return a lot of starters and experience defensively. I think they're going to be just as good as they were last year. So let's see if Jim Harbaugh can knock off Ohio State on the road on November 26th. And then your next one, we'll just kind of go oh, in snake, snake order, draft. Oh, okay, snake draft. Um, since you brought up Alabama, I've got Alabama on my slate as well. Texas A&M at Alabama because of the hatred mm-hmm. between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. That game's on October 8th, so it's one of the early non-conference games. I'm not 100% sold on A&M. I think they could go 8-4 and four again, but this one's early enough in the year that it'll still have a ton of hype. The next one for me is I'm going group of five, but I'm going good group of group five. Group of five, okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, because Appalachian State is at Coastal Carolina in week 10. I can't tell you the date off my okay. top of my head, but those are two like high level group of five teams, and it's probably going to decide their conference, to be honest with you. So that's my pick for that one uh, because. Why not, right? Like, it's my list. I want to see a cool game in a cool place. And although it's a smaller venue in coastal at Coastal Carolina, it's going to be packed. And it's going to be a really fun atmosphere. So I went with that. And then um, I'll just stick on the group of five. And, and, well, although not for long, I should say, for this one. It's Temple at Central Florida. And I'm building off of that interview that I did last week at uh, Big 12 Media Days. But they have their space game which is always a night game, and I believe this one is a Thursday, but it's when they host Temple and they're going to debut special space-themed uniforms. They do it every year now, uh, but the bounce house would be crazy because it's a night game on ESPN, and uh, that's that's my next pick. So Temple at UCF for the space game. I like these group of five picks. Those are really good. BYU actually almost made my cut because they've got some big home games this year, including Arkansas. Uh, I'm going to stay in the Big 12, though. I think Oklahoma State at Baylor on October 1st. I've driven by Baylor's stadium a million times, but I've never actually been to a game there. Um, based off what happened last year in the Big 12 Championship, this will be a huge game. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the conference opener for both teams. And as a K-State fan on the outside looking in, I think that K-State and whoever wins this game will be two teams that will definitely be in the mix for a Big 12 championship with, obviously, Oklahoma and some others. Um, So I'm going to go Oklahoma State at Baylor as my fourth game. And my fifth game, although I really – I don't have any interest or – really any uh, uh, fandom towards either of these teams, but Clemson at Notre Dame made my cut because I would love to see Notre Dame's campus – I'd love to see what South Bend was really like. I know there's a lot of Chicago people that uh, that move there, but it's kind of got a small town feel, and that's just a historic venue. And 
Notre Dame's, their only two losses on their schedule are probably going to be Ohio State and Clemson if they even lose two games because the rest of their schedule is PUD. Absolute <laughs> garbage this year. So Clemson and Notre Dame, we'll find out a lot about both teams on November 5th. All right. My last one is the SEC, but it is the world's largest outdoor cocktail, cocktail party, Florida and Georgia in Jacksonville. I think that would just be an awesome time just because it's just a gigantic party lots of tailgating drinking fun stuff and a pretty darn good football game too on top of that so that would be my fifth and final one as well again uh you can put together a whole road trip i shared mine on twitter uh weeks zero through 13 again with the only obstacle being that you can't see the same team twice but on the the slowest day in sports i figure it's a fun twist and uh maybe maybe as some other games start to seem a little bit more important as the season goes on we'll revisit this and see if we can do a revised Uh, list early in the year what's one game that almost made the list but didn't for you michigan at iowa oh i think that would have been pretty sweet at kinnick stadium with you know as good as those two teams should be that almost made my list the children's hospital just uh outside the stadium the wave the one for me was alabama at tennessee Tennessee, historic stadium, and I think they're going to be really good this year and could knock off Bama. Yeah, I'm just ready for college football. I know you are too. But uh, we are out of time for the show today. We'll be back at it tomorrow, 515, right here on 1150 KSAL. For James Wessling, I am Jackson Schneider. We will see you next time.